Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. My name is Tiffany Buckner and I want to talk to you about the spirit of jealousy. I want to tell you why I hate it so much. Why I have this passionate disdain for the spirit of jealousy. And when I say a passionate disdain for it, it is something that, you know, people talk about things that trigger them. That is the trigger for me. When I come across a person who is jealous hearted um, or exhibiting jealousy toward another person, I'll give you an example of why it triggers me and I'll tell you why. Um, so in my group right now, in my my school, my mentorship, I have the ladies creating a card game. And I told them all to invest, you know, in their card game. And of course, it's up to them. They can go download, you know, some programs and stuff, try to figure out, figure it out themselves. But my recommendation is to hire a graphic designer, get it done right. The people who are relatively cheap will complain about that. You know, they're like, hey, um, what program can I download? What free program can I get? And they'll try to figure it out on their own. The problem with that is, first and foremost, they have no graphic design experience. They're not going to do a really good job. They're going to throw something together and they're going to want it. And then at the same time, it's going to be a lot harder because, you know, when you have no graphic design experience, it's, it's hard, first and foremost, to try to figure out how to design something. But what's really hard is trying to figure out dimensions and stuff like that. And that's what I told them because they don't have a whole lot of time to do that. So in this particular dynamic, and forgive me, I'm washing my hands because I'm in the kitchen cooking. So you will probably hear me wash my hands quite a bit because that's just what I do. But in this particular dynamic, you know, I've said it time and time and time again. It's better to invest. I get it if you don't have the money. Um, if you don't have the money, you're going to have to put the time in. It's going to be a whole lot more frustrating. But if this is a situation where you're just being cheap, then you pretty much deserve the frustration uh, because now you're going to sit here and try to cheap it out. Then you're going to get frustrated and try to frustrate everybody else uh, simply because you're trying to save yourself a little bit of money. Now, I want you to imagine this dynamic. The card games are not finished yet, um, but I want you to imagine this dynamic. And this is likely what's going to happen. The person or people who decided to go the cheap route to try to figure it out themselves, nine times out of ten, they're not going to be finished by the deadline, which is Tuesday. They're not going to be finished by the deadline. If they are finished, they will have some crappy looking games. If they try to do it themselves because they were being cheap, because when you're dealing with somebody who's cheap, they're typically emotionally weak. And what happens is they're going to get frustrated in the middle of the design and they're just going to throw something together. They're going to try to figure it out. They're going to throw something together and it's not going to look good at all. So what's going to end up happening is during this process, the women who actually invested, which the majority of them did, the ones who invested, they're going to have some really sharp looking card games. They're going to look quality. Um, they're going to look amazing. The ones who didn't invest will stand there and nine times out of ten may ha start harboring an issue in their hearts. Toward the ones, let's say, for example, I come and I say a sister and I'm going to make up a name of somebody that's not in the program. Sister Jane, your card game is immaculate. This right here. You know what? Because you did such a great job. I want to bless you with this. Or I want to bless you with that. And Sister Jane says, oh, my goodness. Thank you. Now, Sister Jane went and she put like a couple of hundred dollars in her game, which isn't necessary because I've showed them ways that they can do it a lot cheaper. But Sister Jane decided you know what? I'm going all out with my card game. I want to have something that's great or oh, what have you. So I say, Sister Jane, your card game looks amazing. 
I'm going to bless you with this because you did a great job. This is what I'm going to do for you. The people who didn't put any effort in, in many cases, what they'll do is they'll snarl. They'll begin to scowl. And in some cases, they will email me and say, my time is up in your program. Um, I think it's time for me to leave because in that moment, what they're experiencing is jealousy. They didn't want to make the sacrifice. And this is the Cain Abel model. They didn't want to make the sacrifice, but instead they expected to get the same measure, the same amount of favor, the same blessings, and even the same rewards. When I talk about rewards, I'm talking about when they upload it for sale, they expect to do as well as a person who didn't invest. And that's not how it works. Now, the whole time I'm sitting here and I'm instructing them, I'm telling them, hey, do it this way. Hey, do, I'm, I'm creating tutorials the whole time. That's what jealousy does is that the person does not put in the effort or the time. They don't make the sacrifice of the person that they're jealous of. And instead, they start dealing with entitlement. And typically, in many cases, they'll try to sabotage the person. They'll try to discourage the person. And then when they don't get what they want. A lot of times they try to punish the organization, uh, in my case, the mentorship, because Tiffany, you know, is, has the nerves to tell somebody else they did a great job or what have you. And, you know, a lot of times they'll make the excuse that they didn't have the money. And one of the things I teach uh, my mentees is that a lot of cases, people actually do have the money. It's just a matter of priorities. That's all poverty is. It's just misplaced priorities. It's just that they have habits of spending their money in some place. So when they say they can't afford it, they're literally saying, if I invest in this, this is going to throw off something I typically invest in. For example, my nails. So normally I spend $125 every three weeks to get my nails done. So I won't be able to get my nails done. Well, that's an amazing sacrifice for residual income, don't you think? But when, you, when you're dealing with the spirit of poverty, you don't think that way. When you're dealing with the spirit of poverty, you think in the moment. You think what you stand to lose and not what you stand to gain. And so that's one of the reasons I hate the spirit of, of jealousy. Now, let me go into history and tell you why I have a passionate disdain for that particular spirit. When I was younger, now I have a little sister who is six years uh, younger than me. Um, and she's eight years younger than my brother. So she's the baby girl. Of our family. My parents were married all the way up until I turned 15 years old. My sister at the time when they divorced, um, they they started going through the divorce when I was 15. She was nine years old when they started going through a divorce. She's always had the uh, golden child position. She's always been a golden child. So she had the favor. She got all the blessings. My mom rarely bought me new clothes. I can count literally on one hand. The amount of times my mom probably probably bought me clothes. I'm sure she bought me some when I was younger. I won't won't say that. But as I got older, my mom really didn't buy me clothes too much because I had older cousins who typically would give me their clothes. Um, or and you know sometimes I had friends I got clothes from. So my mom didn't feel the need to give me any clothes. What happened? My mom would always make it clear that my sister was her favorite. You know she would say things like my baby. I remember like my little sister. My mom was always working like two jobs. And my sister, you know, she would do like any, any young person did. She would kind of test to see what she can do. And I remember she would use profanity and I called myself spanking her or trying to discipline her. And she would call my mom at work and my mom would be like, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you when I get home. Don't you touch my baby. Don't touch my baby. And my mom would come home and beat the brakes off of, of us. So she started, my mom created this dynamic with my sister, whereas she made my sister feel like, you know, like we were her enemies. And to this day, even though we're adults, 
she still sees it like me and my brother were always against her and she doesn't understand sibling rivalry she doesn't understand that hey this is what siblings do siblings don't typically get along and i was just disciplining you i wasn't saying you were a bad person i was trying to discipline you she doesn't see it like that because my mom always made her feel like a victim when it came to me and uh, my brother and so my sister always had what she wanted and i remember her closet being packed out with clothes and one of the dynamics and i talked about this on youtube recently but one of the dynamics i remember happening the most was that i remember my mom she was working at mag Ray's for a while and my mom would come home with all these new clothes and um she would come home you know often with bags full of clothes and stuff like that and i would get excited and i would come running i won't say often i would say it was probably like every couple of months or what have you but i would go running into her bedroom and that, i started off doing that i didn't continue but I would go running into her bedroom and I'm like, what did you get from me? Because I would hear my sister in there screaming. Or I see my mom, you know, bringing the bags in. I would get excited because I was a teenager. And, you know, teenagers want to have new stuff or what have you to show off at school or what have you. So I go running off into my mom's room and I'm like, you know, what you got for me? And I remember the most common thing I would hear her say. After, and now my sister would be standing there pulling clothes up off the bed. And my mom's like, that's for you. That's for you. That's for you. That's for you. And my sister would be celebrating. So I go running off into the room. Um, and I would say, what did you get for me? And my mom would say, oh, and she started looking around. And she would say, oh, I got uh, us some pantyhose and socks. Because my mom used to always buy pantyhose. She worked in the pantyhose department at, at Mac Gray's. So she would always buy pantyhose and socks. We had plenty of those and we all shared them. So she would like, I got us some pantyhose and socks. After a while, I came to realize that I was setting myself up for the hurt and the disappointment. And I'm one of those people, if something hurts me, I'm not going to keep throwing myself at it. You know, uh, I'm going to try to protect myself. So what I ended up doing was I stopped whenever I saw my mom coming home with bags and stuff like that. I stopped pursuing, you know, I stopped trying to figure out, did she buy me anything? Or what have you? I got to wash my hands again. Yeah, sorry. But I stopped trying to figure out if she bought me anything and... I started living with our situation. So I just hear my sister in there, you know, screaming about my mom buying her new clothes and she would be all excited. And that was the end of it. And to be honest with you, I wasn't suffering with jealousy. For me, jealousy has never been a stronghold in my life. So I wouldn't be in a room like, oh, look at her. I would just be in there like, well, you know, I kind of made it up in my mind that that was her child. You know, like I wasn't her child, even though I was born from her womb. I just made it up in my, in my mind that... That's her child. That's her baby. Oh, what have you. So I had a real cool demeanor about it. Now, the problem that I did have was that my, my sister's mentality, the way that she was growing up, the reason. And, you know, whenever we talk to her, uh, whenever I talk to her, she won't talk to my brother. You know, she always talks about how we call her spoiled. And, you know, that's what she uh, says her trauma is, isn't the fact that we've always referred to her as spoiled growing up. But she was. She had a different perspective of life. She kind of felt like, and she still does. She has a perspective that is not like my perspective and not like most people's perspective. Well, not me or she has a perspective of you're supposed to do this. If you're if your family, you're supposed to do that for me. Oh, what have you. So long story short, one particular day, my sister's closet was packed out. Let me make sure I say that. Her closet was packed to the max. Um, there was no room in her closet for any more new clothes. She had so many new clothes. She had clothes that still had tags on them. She had a, 
my closet was I remember my closet was so loose it just looked anemic and it was one of those things where you could not deny that she was my mom's favorite child when I turned 17 years old my mother when I turned 16 my mother said I had to get a job it was no option I had to get a job I wasn't gonna be sitting around our house oh what have you I was going to school of course but she was like you gonna get a job and initially my mom told me she was like I'm not gonna make you pay uh, any bills you know I'm gonna have you this you know you save money and do whatever you want to do with it I just don't want you around the house so I said okay so I ended up getting called uh, by Walmart I got called by Walmart and I got called by KFC I remember two companies were trying to hire me at the same time obviously I took Walmart because that was a better option and when I started working there now now the first thing that went wrong was my mom and I, I appreciate her for doing it but I was mad at her at the time she went, she reneged on her word. The first paycheck I got, she said, how much are you going to give me? And I said, and I remember I was already in the car upset because, you know, that was my first paycheck. And, you know, when you get your first paycheck, you're probably thinking it's going to be this much. I remember I had calculated that my first paycheck was going to be over $400. And I think it was like in the low twos or in the ones or something like that. But I had calculated. I didn't know anything about FICA and all that other stuff that was going to hit my check. So I was already in the car upset. And my mom looked and she said, how much of this are you going to give me? And I looked at her and I was like, mom, you know, my check is a lot lower. And she was like, I got to pick you up from work every day. I got to do this and I got to do that. You're not going to. Uh, and she was like, no, you're going to have to pay me rent from now on. And I was like, and I, I remember I cried in the car and I was like, you pay you rent. So, um, give me a second, put these onions in here. Long story short. I cried and it didn't matter. She was like, you're going to have to give me $50 every two weeks, which is when I got paid, which is $100 a month. Giving her $50 out of that paycheck to me felt like death itself. I was so mad. I was so hurt because my paycheck was already extremely low. Long story short, I started buying clothes for myself, you know, because my mom didn't buy them for me. I was still a teenager and that's what teenagers do. Teenagers are concerned with their appearance so I started buying myself all these clothes every time you looked at I'm, I'm, I'm jam-packing my closet uh slowly but surely and this this particular incident I'm about to talk about happened when I was maybe 18 18 years old maybe 19 I'm thinking I was 18 but one particular day my sister she decided to skip school and I didn't know about it my mom didn't know about it or what have we found out from one of my sister's closest friends because she she came to the house and she was like hey why wasn't you know uh such and such at school today and i was like what are you talking about she wasn't at school she was like she didn't come to school today and i think she was with these guys and i was like what now mind you the guys that my sister was with my, my sister had been trying to hook me up with one of them because these were guys my age or uh, or older my sister had been trying to hook me up with them you know she had been talking one of them was a cop and he was like well into his 20s but it was another one that was probably about 18 19 20 years old or what have you so long story short i found out that her and another one of her friends actually skipped school they pretended to go to school but they skipped school and they spent the day with those guys so when i found out i told my mother i called up to the school i verified it i called my mom's job i told my mom i told her i verified it and all that well that was something that upset my mom she told my sister what she was going to do. I don't know if she spanked her or what have you, but she told my sister what a punishment was going to be. 
My sister didn't take it very well. She was really at, in, in a heavy stage of rebellion and she was really angry. So my sister decided that she was going to destroy a lot of the things in my room. Now, mind you, at this particular time, um, I was at work when my sister got home from school. I was working at Walmart. When I got home from work, I found my clothes completely, my, just about everything I had bought, bought, purchased over the last year or so. My sister had taken it out of my closet and cut it up. She had taken it out of my closet and cut it up and threw it in the trash. Um, I remember being so angry that I, I, I couldn't even attack her because we would fight physically. I couldn't because I knew I would hurt her really bad. I knew I would do something. I was so angry. I could not believe that she had destroyed my stuff like that. And I knew it came from a place of jealousy because she just didn't feel she had she was used, she was accustomed to this dynamic of her being the one who had. She was accustomed to that dynamic of her being the one who, you know, prospered and her having all this stuff or what have you. And, you know, the tables had turned. And like I said, she had been crying and whining about the fact that I had clothes. And my mom actually had started, you know, um, coming against me because she would say, oh, you didn't buy nothing for your sister. And I was like, she don't even have room in her closet. Why do I have to do it for her? You always do it for her or what have you. She destroyed my stuff. And I remember she destroyed my television set. I had a television set in my room. I don't remember what she did to the television set, but I just remember that my television set was destroyed. And I remember at that time, my mom um, promised me that she was going to replace everything. Never happened um, or what have you. For darn near two years. I'm, I'm thinking it was two years, but I always give it a year. But I'm pretty sure it was two years. I literally did not speak to my sister. I didn't say two words to her. We lived in the same house, a, sm a small apartment. I passed by her in the hallway. We didn't say two words to each other. We didn't say two words to each other. If we had to communicate, we would say to my brother, if he happened to be there, um, hey, would you tell her? Or we say to my mom, you need to tell her. And of course, my mom, you know, she started complaining about that. But she didn't put too much pressure on us to reconcile. Um, but I learned about that later on in life. I kind of figured out. But long story short, that's why I hate jealousy so much. Is because it typically comes from a person who has an advantage and yet it hurts them to see you come up even in the slightest bit. It hurts them to see you even have a birthday. If you have a birthday, they have to turn that birthday all about themselves. They're going to get they're going to whine. They're going to cry because they're not accustomed to seeing you get the attention. They become very uh, used to getting the attention. Now, let me say this. In many cases, like that in my sisters, I used to be so mad at her about that or what have you. I've come to realize that while that is horrible and while that is bad for a person to think that way, and all I honestly, that's been her world. That's how, That's been her reality. You know, so that's just the way that she has reason in life. And when people grow up with that, they become adults who feel like that. And so consequently, there's a rift, there's a divide between the family because you have one person who is out here trying to work and trying to do their thing. And you have another person who feels like what you do, you're supposed to do for me. You're supposed to be helping me. You're supposed to be doing this. And because you're not doing this, you're not really being. And, and they genuinely feel like that. And it's unreasonable to most people. But to that person, they, they really genuinely believe that. And that's because of the dynamic, um, like I said, that they've grown up with. In my experience, I've seen this with Christians as well. You know, for me. I've suffered through a lot in life, you know, and I thank God for bringing me through because a lot of it was a result of my own choices, obviously. And as a Christian woman, I have come to come in contact 
with Christian women who have tried to sabotage and hurt me. And the stupid thing was, it's always been situations where these were people that I treated well. These were people that I tried to be a blessing to. These were people that, you know, I celebrated. And yet and still, because God opened so many doors for me and God started doing things for me, they couldn't handle it because they felt entitled to what I had. And one day I posted to Facebook and I took it down. I talked about how silly it was because, for example, I've had two miscarriages and some of these women have children. And... I talked about some of the things I've lost in life, some of the things that I don't have that other people typically have. And I don't get mad at them for having them. I'm happy that they're blessed. I'm happy that they have those things. Nevertheless, what God does give me, let me enjoy that. But the the dynamic when you're dealing with jealousy is so crazy and so crippled. The person believes or the people believe that, no, it's supposed to be me first. I'm supposed to stay at the top. Like, it doesn't matter. Tiffany, I get it. I hear about your life and that's all good. It's your own fight. Anyhow, but I kind of feel like, and it's not something that people will, will verbalize out loud. It's not something that they will say out loud, but that is genuinely, genuinely the heart of jealousy is that the person believes that the blessings are supposed to be theirs. Everything that happens is supposed to be them first or them only. Those are the only, that's the only dynamic It's them first or them only. And if it doesn't work out that way, they reason with themselves that they've been done wrong and that (laughs) you need to be punished. God needs to be punished or whoever's blessing you needs to be punished. So a lot of times what they do is they blackball you. And there are two different types of blackballing. I've learned that blackballing can be people talking about you, you know, in an attempt to sabotage your name. But blackballing can also be People who have places or positions of power that will intentionally show favor and focus toward other people. But all the while ignore you, meaning they won't invite you to certain events. You know, they'll invite everybody around you to an event, but they won't invite you. And what they're doing is they're using their power for evil, meaning they're demonstrating to other people. This is how we treat her. It's very similar to the popular girl at school because most people are sheep. So. The popular girl at school has a measure of power because she's been going to that school for some time. Her parents probably have a little bit of money or what have you. So she has a measure of power uh, within that school, within that organization or what have you. The popular girl, let's say a new student comes to the school. The new student comes in, a new student, the new girl is, you know, she's humble, she's sweet, and she's nice. But she has the ability to grow popular because she has some quality, some creative trait or something about her. That qualifies her to get the gather or garner the attention of people. The popular girl in that moment decides in her head, I don't want her having any attention because, you know, she's not going through me. Uh, she's not kissing my butt. She's not trying to be a drone of mine. She's not trying to chase up behind me. Uh, she's not, you know, what have you. even though she's being nice to me, but she's not doing this or what have you now. The new girl may be, for example, the popular girl's been going to that school, let's say, since uh, fourth grade. Then in ninth grade. She's been going there for five years. She's been going there, you know, since she was uh, fourth grade. So she's known around the school. She's built relationships around the school. She's comfortable around the school. But the new girl doesn't have that dynamic. The new girl can be coming from a relatively unstable family, whereas the family moves around a lot. And because the family moves around a lot, the new girl comes into the school 
And she's like everybody else. She wants to make friends. You know, like she comes in and all she wants to do is just be kind or whatever. And she maybe she tries to get get around the popular girl. She does or she doesn't. In many cases, she probably doesn't. She just comes into the school and she starts to demonstrate a different system or a different dynamic. It's really just a system. She starts to de- demonstrate a different system because now the boys are paying her attention. The boys are calling her pretty. She's getting a little bit of attention. And, you know, they start discovering some quality that she has about herself, something that um, makes her stand out or what have you. The popular girl decides, oh, no, we can't have this because we're not about to have another popular group of ro- walking around this school that may eventually eclipse my, uh, potent- my group or what have you and I- honestly destroy the system. That's in this school because the system of this school has been for years that everybody who wants to make it in this school either, you know, pretty much tithes in me. Uh, you know, they give me their attention. They, you know, they, 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 they do my homework for me. You know, they, they're, they're pretty much praising me as they pass by or they try to stay out of my way. But this girl's not doing it. You know, she speaks, but she's not like she's not following up behind me. She's independent of my influence. She's she's over there. She's trying to. <laughs> You know, she's you know work done. She she goes to class. She's making A's and B's or straight A's, and you know she, her. She's not trying to follow the fads. Like I set the trends around the school, uh, but she's not following the fads. When you know everybody else is trying to dress like me, but she's not doing that. She got her own thing, and I see people are starting to try to dress like her. And so what that that the popular girl may decide in that moment, I'm going to sabotage her. So one. She may sabotage her through talking about her, gossiping, you know, lying, lying on her or gossiping about her, you know, or, you know, or, or verbalizing, hey, I don't like this girl. This is what I feel about her or what have you. She may even um, sabotage her by looking for dirt on her, looking for dirt on her, asking questions, trying to find out what school she came from. Oh, what have you asking questions around and, you know, going out of her way to sabotage her uh, or what have you to find some dirt on her. And then lastly, one of the most common things that she may do if she's trying to pass herself as a nice girl. One of the common, common things that she may do is that she may have a party and every popular person and every standard person is invited to that party. But she will intentionally leave that particular girl out. She will not give her an invitation. Because what she's doing is she's saying to the crowd without saying it, she's not a part of the in crowd. She's not a part of us. So if you want to be liked by me, if you want to be accepted by me, if you want to be popular uh, in this school, don't hang out with her. And most people are sheep. They're going to follow the trend. And so every time somebody throws a party, you will notice that they will not invite her to the party because they're all fought. It's a system. It's a, it's a trend. And the whole time, it's not that the new girl did anything bad to her. It's just as the new girl had the nerves to be pretty, uh, innovative, creative, um, independent, or whatever it is, whatever it is that made her stand out. The new girl had the nerves to be that without her permission. That's why I hate jealousy. Jealousy is one of the most ridiculous spirits out there because one of the things I've learned to do is interrogate that particular demon. And I found that people who host that spirit, you, whenever you try to interrogate them, first and foremost, they're going to try to, they're very avoidant. You know, they're going to try to avoid you at all costs. Um, they, it's hard for them to give you eye contact. 
and I can tell you, you trigger them by, uh, by succeeding. So for example, I can tell, like if I publish a book, I can tell the people who, who deal with that because the minute I announce that I published that book, a lot of times those people become very avoidant. Uh, they be, they, their, their content has changed. They, um, they, they, it's hard for them to, to stand and say, hello, how are you? Or it's hard for them to smile because in that moment they feel like you are destroying them. They take it personal. They feel like you are destroying their reputation. They feel like you're destroying what they've spent so many years to build and you're not doing anything. You're literally just walking in your purpose, but in their mind, it's a whole other event going on in their mind. They will formulate this idea that um, you are you are you're destroying them. Uh, you're trying to destroy them. You're trying to build yourself up. You're trying to be the, become the most popular girl at school. You're trying to do this. It's it's a competition between the two of you and their mind. Okay, you just got okay. You just got me. All right, you got me. But that's all right. I'm coming back and I'm coming back strong. I'm coming back and I'm coming back strong. And then a lot of times that's gonna motivate them inspire them or even better yet provoke them to go and create something and here's the issue they'll go do something and it may not get the attention of the same measure of attention of what you got now in your mind you're not comparing and your mind is just hey we live in our lives girl i celebrate you i'm i'm proud of you <laughs> that's it but in their minds they're looking at it as oh you know you're stealing from me that, and honestly that's how they feel this is what i've learned about jealous people is that they genuinely feel like you're stealing from them. They genuinely feel like you're robbing them. You're robbing them of favor. You're robbing them of their attention. You're robbing them. You're robbing them. You're robbing them. And because they feel like that, they fashion themselves as the victim. They see themselves as the victim and you as the villain. They see you as a person that is, you know, you don't care. You're a cold-hearted individual. And they wait for you to fall. They wait for something bad to happen to you or they wait for an opportunity to come against you. They wait for that moment where they can come. Let's say something bad happens or something, something bad comes against your name or what have you. They use that opportunity to say, I didn't want to say anything, but that's, that's the reason why I never fooled with her. That's why I didn't like her from the jump. But the whole time, it was just that it was... It, it was jealousy. And one thing about this particular demon is that it will never identify itself. You know, when you go to a person and say, hey, sis, and I, I, for me, I love my friends enough to, to call it out on them. When they say they don't like a person, I'm going to say, why? You know, I'm going to go and I'm going to trace that thing all the way. And if I find jealousy, I'm going to point it out to them and tell them that's silly. You don't need to be walking around thinking like that. You're too anointed. You're too pretty. You're too creative. You're too innovative. You're too, you got too much going for you for you to walk around reasoning like that. But tracing that spirit can be hard because the minute you call it out, people say, I'm not jealous. And that's how you know you hit it is because it typically responds and it says, I'm not jealous. OK, are you envious? That's got to be envy then. Well, I'm not envy. She ain't got nothing for me to envy. And the whole time, that's the case. And a lot of times what I have to do is I try to make people understand that what they are feeling is jealousy. What they are feeling is envy. And the way that I do that in the most effective way to do that is by interrogating the person or interrogating that particular spirit because the war is not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and the rulers of this dark world and spiritual wickedness in high places it's again by interrogating that particular spirit by saying hey listen um why don't you like her it's just something about her oh no 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 don't do that why 
You need a specific. You can't say it's something. It's just my, my spidey senses are going off my, my discernment. No, no, don't do that because you're trying to spiritualize this. No, what is it? You act like you can't understand. That's jealousy. When you cannot point something out specifically that a person has done or said, when you cannot trace your frustration or your anger toward a person, it is jealousy. When you cannot say, I don't like this person because A, B, or C, you are dealing with the spirit of jealousy. And the thing about it is the reason you won't identify is because that spirit knows how ridiculous it will sound. If I say, hey, sis, and if you were honest, if God forced you to be honest, if I say, sis, why don't you like her? And you said, because she thinks she's all that, which is what people say. Okay, well, are you in her brain? Do you see the thoughts of the neurons firing off? Are you able to break into those neurons and see uh, what it is, you know, thoughts and what have you to see what it is that she's thinking? No, but I can tell the way she acts. No, you can't determine that way. You can't make that determination by how she moves or what have you. So tell me something specifically that she did. Um, I remember that time when, you know, she was up in there. She didn't speak to me. Did you speak to her? Now, nah, because she thinks she all that. No, did you try speaking to her? I can get it if you say, hey, I spoke to her a couple of times and she didn't speak back. But did you speak to her? I spoke to her one time. Okay. And she didn't speak back. Okay. Could have been a day that she didn't notice you. She didn't see you. I don't, it's, it's not something that, you know, you can uh, build a case against a person with. I mean, whenever you're building a case, you got to have a lot of evidence. You got to have uh, an ample amount of evidence. So, okay, what other evidence that you have to support your theory that she thinks she's all that. What whatever evidence or what else do you have to support you disliking this person? I feel like she's just trying to get the attention. Like she's an attention hawk. She always wants the attention. Everybody. Okay, tell me something specifically she did. Now, because there are people out there that do that. Granted, there are women that, that try to get attention. And as females, we know that. But okay, tell me something specifically that you've seen her do. That you can specifically say that was her and I'm talking about don't just name one event I remember that time she was switching with them hips okay do she walk like that she be doing it to get attention how do you know that see that's what I'm talking about you just no I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt just like I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt I'm not trying to develop a case against her based on something that you feel I'm talking about you have to have ample evidence. If we went to a court of law, this would get tossed out of court. So what I'm trying to do is we, we got a case going right now. You've made a decision that this is a bad person and you don't like her. So based on what you're saying, you don't have a solid case. Give me more. Give me more. And if that person is to honestly be completely honest, they will say, you know what? Because she's so pretty. She, you know, she think that everything is catered to her. Everybody's supposed to do for her. What well, you just told the truth right there because she's pretty. That's it. She's pretty to you. And because she's attractive to you, you've built a case against her. It's as simple as that. It, because she's pretty to you. And at the same time, her with her beauty, she came with confidence and she didn't necessarily give you the time of day. Which made you feel rejected and which made you question why she didn't give you the time of day. So you decided that she decided that she had made it up in her mind that she was better than you. You don't have an ample case. This is a situation of two people who came into a, a, a space, came in contact with one another and didn't necessarily handle that space the proper way. Or she could have handled it the proper way and you didn't. Maybe she decided based on how you were looking at her and how you were treating her 
and to leave you over in your corner, not to fool with you. And who could blame her? Because what she's trying to do is shield herself. In some cases, you know, there are many cases where you have women who actually do walk into a space and, you know, they make a decision that they don't like you uh, or what have you. They make a decision that they should be the queens of that space and that everybody should worship them. I noticed this and I hate to say it. it with millennial generation, it is strong. That is a strong thing where people actually uh, do that. But you can't build a case on that. You can't sit back and say, you have to actually have evidence of that person doing that. When I say that it's strong, I notice that with millennials, a lot of times, millennials, and not all, but a lot of millennials, um, and it was in my generation as well, but it's, it's grown stronger in millennial generation. Uh, millennial, especially Gen Z, where people have a thing where they want to be worshipped. You know, and they don't realize that, but a lot of times they will not, they won't fool with you. So they have a system. And I'm a systems person, so I happen to see what how people move. They have a system, whereas if once they walk into a room, they judge the room. They judge, okay, this person, I feel like they deserve my attention. This person uh, uh, deserves, this person is this, this person is that. So for them, if they feel like you are undeserving of their attention from that moment on, they do feel like you, and when I say feel like, it's hard to say that that's what they're feeling, but I'm saying over the course of time, you can actually identify a spirit. But many of them go into this thing, whereas the only way that they're going to actually be even relatively cool with you is if you pursue them. Now, that's after they've judged. Now, if, they, if you come into a space and they feel like you got something uh, that makes you great, that makes you stand out, let's say maybe you are absolutely beautiful, confident, and you got what it takes to help them to get to the next level, they may not necessarily require that. They will actually pursue you. They will actually pursue you. They'll try to, hey, how you doing? Your hair is so pretty. Oh, you look so nice. And this, that, this, that, and the other. You'll notice that a lot of people have a type. You'll see this in every generation. They have a type as far as when it comes to friends. And we all know that as women. Um, you have some women, they have a type of friend that they want. And they will judge. So let's just say um, we can talk pretty girls. Now, there are pretty girls who are absolutely humble who don't think like this and then there are pretty girls who think like this there are actually women that are not that pretty who think like that but they have a way of reasoning whereas they if let's say they happen themselves to be beautiful let's just say we're talking about a a beautiful entitled relatively narcissistic clique of girls every clique has a leader within that clique that leader whenever you have a leader or a clique like that typically they're going to have somewhere that they um, are dominating or they are serving as queens or what have you. It, within that space, they a lot of times can be relative, the most popular in that space or what have you. And so they have a system that everybody that comes into that space must go through them to be, get, become great. Everybody that comes into that space must get their attention. Everybody must win their favor, all of that. But a lot of times they don't have the power to make that determination like they can't enforce it. You know, they they can they can blackball you. They can hurt you. They have ways because like I said, a lot of people are paying attention to them. And so they can make it where, you know, a lot of people are not fooling with you. But they typically have a system. So if you walk into that space and let's say you're average looking and you don't have that much money, you know, your family is standard. You don't have that much money. They can make a decision and will make a decision in many cases that you right then they categorize you. As a fan, 
you're supposed to be a fan of theirs. That's just the way that they feel. You're supposed to be a fan of theirs. That's it. And that's all. Now, another girl can walk into that space. She's beautiful. She comes from a, 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 a well-to-do family. The family has a little bit of money or what have you. And she comes in and they make it up in their mind because she's beautiful and her family has some money. You know, has quite a bit of money. They make it up in their mind. She needs to walk with us. So for you, when you come into that space, they don't speak or they they're very light at their speaking. Like they it's very brisk. It's like, hey, and they keep going. Oh, what have you? And most of the time they're not gonna speak first. They require you to speak first. But for this particular girl, you'll notice that they will pursue her. They'll go up to her, they'll be like, How are you? Well, welcome to our school or welcome to whatever. Your, your, your hair is so pretty. Where'd you get that skirt? Oh my goodness, that is so cute. So you'll notice that they'll pursue her. They'll even get on social media. They'll follow her. They'll be very active, you know, sharing her stuff, liking her stuff because they're inviting her into. And it's the mean girl thing. And unfortunately, it's actually prevalent. And I saw somebody post to social media and I can honestly say this living in Georgia. Somebody posted uh, social media, posted to to uh, 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 TikTok, you know, living it, trying to make friends in Georgia be like. And she, you know, did like she's shake, trying to shake hands and said women in competition. And I shouted because ever since I've li- moved here to Georgia, I found that that is a stronghold here. That there is a demon here of competition. There is a strong demon of competition here. And I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. I, you know, so in that moment, anyhow, with this particular group, you'll notice that they're going to pursue who they feel looks good or makes them look good who they feel should roll with them should be a part of their clique and then they'll be very avoidant of the people that they feel should be fans so here's the problem with that let's say a girl comes into that space and she is maybe not that attractive or she doesn't have that much money or what have you she comes in she's nice she she just you know she comes in there but she doesn't try to make, she, it's the Mordecai Haman syndrome. She's not, Haman wanted Mordecai to bow down to him. She's not bowing to him. Like she's not that type of person that is a fan. She doesn't pursue people. You know, she's the type of person. She's just nice. And she builds friendships naturally, you know, relationships naturally. She's not trying to, you know, win nobody over or what have you. So she comes into that space and she just, you know, moves like she normally moves. She says hello to everybody. She's kind to everybody. She's helpful. You know, even in, including to, that particular group, which is, you know, popularly known, known as mean girls, but she is kind. The group at one point, because she's kind of a what they don't really care that you're not worshiping them. Really, for the most part, they're not going to care about it unless you have some something significant about you. So if you're just a nobody and they're not worried about you, you know, they're just going to decide they don't like you or what have you. They may say something negative about you, but they're not going to put too much effort or energy um, into you or what have you. But this girl, she comes in and she doesn't have what it takes to walk with them. If, if, if you may, she doesn't have, uh, the snatch waistline that they require. She doesn't have the, the, the caramel colored skin or whatever it is that they, they, they think that makes them stand out or what have you. She doesn't have that. Nevertheless, she has a heart of love. She comes into a space that's been dry of love, a space where there's been a whole lot of competition and a whole lot of issues. She comes into that space and she just starts to exude love. And as a consequence, people start to 
uh, people start to be attracted to her as a magnetic effect. You know, people are hungry of love. People start coming around her. Oh, what have you? The queen bee or the people, they're going to make a decision in that moment. I don't like her because now you got the, you've gotten their attention because you're messing with a system. Hopefully this makes sense. You're messing with a system that has been established by them for many years. You're messing with their system. Their system allowed them to be worshipped. Their system allowed them to be the top tier, the queens of that particular space. But now when you come in, you are threatening to eradicate that system or to render it powerless by just actually coming in with love. Of course, it's demonic. The power, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of this dark world and spiritual wickedness in high places. If you find that this is you, repent. Hear me when I say this, repent. Because I see a lot of Christian women doing this and I don't, I, I don't think that they understand what they're doing. I don't think that they understand the ramifications or the consequences of uh, behaving like this because they do this actually um, in churches. They do this in, 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 in anything where you see people gathering, you will typically find this, this particular um, dynamic. So they see the girl and she starts posing as a threat in their minds to what they built because she came up in there and now she's being nice. Turns out maybe she got a little bit of money. You know, she, she, she's not broke after all. Um, she got a new car or maybe she works really hard. She has a motherly like type instinct. Cause that, that, that draws people. She has something about her that causes other people to be drawn to her, which again, threatens to split that system because now people will start to come or to, uh, go toward the other female, you know, simply because these are going to be sometimes, you know, a lot of cases, people that. The popular girls or the mean girls have rejected. I got to hit this blender. I want to hit it so bad, but I'm, I don't want to make this noise. Sorry, y'all. Forgive me for this. It'll be one second. Like two. Okay. Didn't take long. I needed to, I needed to blend that up. Okay. It's, it's, it's developing another system within that space. This is the problem with it. It develops another system within that space. Whereas now... Something about love draws people. So now within that space, people are still going. They're still going toward the popular group. And then you have another space, whereas other people were kind of been a drought. You know, they just, if they were not accepted, they were not accepted. In many cases, unfortunately, uh, many cases, they were kind of driven away. They were driven away and they were driven away by, you know, just being the, the, the popular girls may have mishandled them, you know, mistreated them or what have you. So they were driven out of that space or what have you. Um, but here you come. And now people who have not had the confidence to stand alone, they haven't had the confidence to dare stand out. They haven't had the confidence to just be themselves. All of a sudden, you know, they, they've kind of been loners, you know, they didn't necessarily flow with everything and they just kind of accepted their fate or what have you and because they got to keep coming to school right you know parents are not going to change their school or what have you just because they're dealing with this dynamic you're going to find this dynamic in pretty much every school so they notice that another system is being built and within that system they notice that okay this girl has the audacity to be a leader 
she has the audacity to demonstrate something else which is get, causing attention to kind of flood in her direction and if this continues then people are going to stop trying to win over our favor and our affection and our attention they're going to stop tithing in us and they're going to start uh, you know going toward this system and well i don't even want to say going toward that person even though they will be drawn to that person in many cases it just gives people the freedom to be themselves and that's that's the that's the rule there it just gives people the confidence um to be themselves it gives people the confidence to just say okay i'm awkward I'm, uh, you know i don't necessarily fit into this or have it gives people the confidence to just stand out away they don't like it so they do what they've been doing for years driving people out of that school that church or what have you and that is through mishandling them or demonstrating to other people how you ought to be treated it's as simple as that by whenever they host something they're not going to invite you they're going to mishandle you they're going to mistreat you and then at the same time they do stuff to provoke you because they want to have a reaction so that they can say hey see you see what she said you see what she did this is why because they don't have a justification like i said jealousy looks for a reason but typically has none so jealousy tries to manufacture something uh, to, to say, well, this is why I don't like this particular person. Uh, she said this about me. She did this about me. What have you. But if you mess around and you have somebody come along who is following God, who surrenders to the voice of God and just and God starts to eradicate that system. He eradicates that system by bringing somebody in there who has leadership ability, leadership qualities but who has his spirit, who, who exudes his love. And that person, when that person is coming, that person brings a light with them. And what it does is it causes other people who have kind of been silent to begin to speak up. It causes other people who have kind of just, you know, fallen away to begin to speak out. It causes other people to begin to find their voices and stuff like that. And again, it causes those who operated almost as a principality over that organization to realize that their their time is coming to an end just like mine's coming to an end on this uh <laughs> this recording because i just i'm 50 minutes in it only allows you to go 59 minutes but it causes that system to begin to falter and you'll find that those women in many cases they'll get very malicious they'll do some really doggish things to that person and most of the times they're not going to do anything that you can actually like tangible like they, they're not going to do stuff um that you can point out readily you know they're not going to say they're not going to walk around and tell everybody hey we don't like her so typically they're going to utilize their power to demonstrate how they want you to be treated and it works because most people are sheep if that female does not leave if that female doesn't quit if that female doesn't give up she doesn't go to another school another church another whatever she doesn't quit her job whatever wherever you find this dynamic if she doesn't leave, if she continues to show up and she continues to demonstrate the spirit of God, the love of God, if she continues, then what typically happens is one, they may try to invite them, invite her into the circle because it's very similar to what the Pharisees did to Jesus. They tried it. We can't beat him. They tried to destroy him. They tried everything. But when none of those things work, when they realized that Jesus was increasing, they decided, hey, you know, you can come hang out with us. And Jesus refused or what have you. And then typically jealousy almost always ends in murder. 
almost always ends in murder. Now, when I say murder, I'm not talking about it always ends in somebody trying to physically kill a person, even though that does happen. In many cases, when you're dealing with this particular dynamic, um, the person may start engaging in witchcraft. Or in some cases, you may the, 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 the person may try to find some type of way to uh, create a physical altercation, you know, to have a physical uh, altercation with the person or what have you. But they're going to try to find some way. And if that doesn't work, if they can't find anything, especially within a, a church or a job environment where there are ramifications, because schools typically, you know, they're just probably going to suspend a person. But when you're dealing with an, an, an environment, what they'll do is they'll pretty much give the teacher or the job, the, the, the boss, they're trying to give them a, 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 you know, some type of warning. Um, and it can be a silent warning or a verbal warning. I have to, y'all, I got to do this. But they'll try to uh, let them know how they feel or they'll start threatening to leave or something like that. Because for them, it's torment. That's the, the, when you're dealing with the spirit of jealousy, y'all, I'm using this uh, can opener and... It takes forever to open a can. I'm sorry, I'm cooking spaghetti and meat sauce. And I got some diced tomatoes right here that I'm about to blend up. I've already blended up some fresh uh, tomatoes, but I always use diced ones as well. I don't know why I do that. It is what it is. Been doing it for years. It comes out amazing. But when you're dealing with the spirit of jealousy, again, the people who are maybe the mean girls, they genuinely see themselves as victims. Honestly, they genuinely see themselves as victims because that spirit torments them. It torments them. When I cast out demons, for example, one of the things I've noticed that demons have a tendency to do is some demons will speak out of a person's mouth. And the demon may say, please don't cast me out. I'm going to get in trouble. And when I first heard that, I learned something about the spirit world is that demons, of course, they are under uh, demonic authorities, you know. Um, you have demons that are under principalities and stuff like that. That principality will torture them, will punish them for failing. They get they get punished for for failing. You know, if they have a demonic assignment or what have you, and they mess around and get cast out and stuff like that, they get in trouble for that. And so a lot of times when they're getting cast out, that's why you see the person, you know, the demon starts to cry and scream. It's not because the demon is sad and it loves the person. It's because the demon is terrified about about of what's about to happen to it. It's terrified. Um, it's been in that family for years or what have you. And that's what I've learned. The same is true when you're dealing with a jealous person because there's a spirit in that person. But when you're dealing with a jealous person is that that demon will punish them when they fail. It torment. What it does is it torments them. It will torment them with thoughts. It will torment them with all of these uh, thoughts of um, you gaining momentum, you being great, you doing all this stuff. It will torment. It will remind them of all the, the efforts they put in, all the stuff that all the years they've done. It will convince them that they are victims, but it will torment the crap out of them. Um, in many cases, to escape the torment, rather than getting deliverance, to escape the torment, uh, many times you will find that these people will, you know, they'll start doing crazy stuff. You know, what have you? Maybe they'll say something ugly to you. Uh, maybe they'll try to start a fight. You know, they'll try something. But one of the things I do love is that. When you're dealing with a church organization, for example, at some point, if, when a, if a person comes and that person doesn't move, because most of the time you have people that go on the run and they scream church hurt, and they were actually effectively church hurt, um, what have you. But a lot of times, I can be honest with you, I think we as a church, 
and many times you have too many people climb, calling church hurt or claiming church hurt to the point that where we as a church that we started to discount their experience and say hey you should have stood still but the bible says that jealousy is as cruel as the grave and one of the things that i think a lot of times we don't take into account is that that is a very strong spirit it is a very strong spirit and when you're dealing with somebody some people they can't handle that honestly it's, it, it is too much for them to bear. It's too much. Um, when, when there's a targeted campaign against them. Because campaign is nothing but a system. When there's a targeted campaign against them, that is, that is a, that's a bit much. Um, and it's too hard for a person to sit through something like that. Because whereas they're going to church to kind of relieve themselves of things that happen to them during the week. Um, instead, they're going there and being tormented by somebody who has a demon. Um, somebody who has a spirit that they're not yielding. They're not getting rid of or what have you. So, when it comes to that particular spirit, you have to understand that the only way to cast it out, no, what, was, what I was saying is that person comes in, the, the, the beautiful part about a church is that, one more time, y'all, sorry. Okay. But the beautiful thing about a church is that if, the, if it's a church where deliverance takes place, at some point, if the person doesn't repent and give that demon up, it's going to manifest. At some point, during service or something like that is going to manifest because the more the bible says submit yourself to god resist the devil and he will flee from you the more a person sits still and doesn't flee or the more a person sits still and doesn't leave when they're being when a per, when, when you have a campaign that's trying people that are trying to drive them out in a school too um or what have you or maybe in a church because most churches you know many churches deal with spirituality then what will happen is there may be a moment where that person will start manifesting um, because that demon has failed. That demon has failed. And when it fails, it's easier to cast it out. That is to say, if you find yourself the target of a campaign like that, don't you dare leave that church. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. If, if you're in school, don't you dare leave that school. If you are in at a job, don't you dare leave that job. You have to stay, you have to stay put. You cannot keep running from spirits. And you know, sometimes you can find amazing people who are bound by that spirit. You know, I, I've in my my experience, you know, a lot of times I've come across people and I question like, sis, the heck, why, why are you even wrestling with that? You know, nevertheless, you don't know their story or how that spirit got there. But just be aware of the fact that it is a spirit. This is why I hate that particular spirit. I don't hate the person. I don't dislike. I, I do get a pro. I do have a problem with people who host this spirit many times because. I'm like, you, you're not doing self-correction. You're not sitting at home, uh, you know, saying, hey, why do I feel this way? I got to get rid of this. Let me get, let me get some accountability. Uh, let me talk to somebody about this. And typically, they surround themselves with yes men. They surround themselves with people who don't call them out on it. They surround themselves with people who just enjoy being their friends just because of the popularity dynamic. Rather than people that say, hey, sis, that ain't cool. Like, you really, not sis, you no. You shouldn't think like that. You're too anointed. You're too pretty. You're too this. You're too that. Those are the type of people you genuinely need to have in your life. People who tell you um, how great you are, but also tell you how filthy that spirit is. And don't allow you to sit there and host that spirit on, on their watch. But anyhow, I love you. I hope this message blessed you and God bless you.